0: we're going to go ahead and get to our message for this morning. If you want to turn into the book of Matthew at home, uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 13. So go ahead and pull your Bibles out and turn there. And as you're turning there, I want to talk a little bit. We've been doing a series called Follow the Yellow Brick Road, and we've been using the Wizard of Oz as a parable and metaphor for our spiritual journey. And we've talked about all kinds of things that happened to us on our spiritual journey. Last week we talked about the deceptive wizard, and we talked about how in our lives, sometimes we can fake it, right? And we need to walk the talk. And this morning we're gonna talk about another character in The Wizard of Oz. And when I mentioned I was doing a series on The Wizard of Oz, a few people in the congregation came up to me and said, that movie terrified me when I was growing up. And I asked the same question every time they said that, which part scared you? And I got three different answers. First, uh, let's see if you can guess at home. Um, The flying monkeys was one. The mean wizard, the deceptive wizard. And then what do you think the third one was? The The Wicked Witch of the West, yes. Um, Apparently the Wizard of Oz movie has been scaring generations of watchers But what makes The Wizard of Oz a scary movie to so many people? What is it that causes us to be so scary? Well, that's a difficult question to answer because in today's scary movie or horror movie, they're full of blood and gore, right? But that's not the case with The Wizard of Oz. As a matter of fact, there's not a drop of blood that is spilled in the entire movie. Now, don't get me wrong, the scarecrow gets disemboweled and his body parts get thrown all over the place by (laughs) flying monkeys but not a drop of blood is shed there. Um, I think what makes The Wizard of Oz a scary movie to some people, especially to young people, is the fact that this likable young girl, like Dorothy, comes face to face with pure evil. There were a few scenes that were deleted from The Wizard of Oz, I don't know if you know that. Most notably is a scene with Dorothy in the witch's castle. It's right after she's been threatened with death, you know, the whole um, hourglass thing with the red sand in it. And she's left alone in the uh, witch's castle to wait for her impending doom. That part of the movie is still there, but they also shot a scene in between the witch leaving the room and Dorothy saying, Auntie Em, I'm Frightened. And it is a reprise of the song, Somewhere Over the Rainbow. But this time she sang the song, with revised words and a scared, small, quivering voice. I couldn't find the deleted scene itself, but there is a recording of the scene. And so I'm going to play this clip. It has the, the scene that's actually there, and then there, she's just kind of paused during the song, and then um, it, it comes back to life again. So I'm going to play the clip for you. Um, and um, a warning it's just very sad so let's listen to it I'll move out of the way so you can see the screen John's going to zoom in for those of you at home and let's make sure we have the sound on so people can hear it here we go You see that's how much longer you've got to be alive and it isn't long my piggy it isn't long I can't wait for everything at those shoes can rub my eyes and in that land beyond the skies So they cut that, ooh, let's bring that down some. They cut that scene uh, from the movie because test audiences found it far too disturbing. I did too. It's too powerful, too emotional, too sorrowful, and I think it reminded people too much of how cruel and wicked the world can really be. Now, The Wizard of Oz was released in 1939, and at that time, our country was still in the Great Depression where hundreds of thousands of people had lost their homes and farms. The unemployment rate was peaked at 25%. In Europe, Germany was on the march, and in Asia, Japan had invaded China and Korea. Nobody wanted to go to a movie at that time that reminded them of the wickedness that existed in the world around them. And no wonder, evil is a topic that we are all quick to avoid. But we're going to talk about that this morning. Our scripture passage this week is a parable that speaks to the issue of evil in the world. So if you have your Bibles, look at Matthew chapter 13, and I'm going to read uh, verses 24 to 30. It says, Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field but while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, don't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you were pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. So we need to keep in mind as we talk about this parable this morning that the wheat represents the good in the world, good people, those who are righteous, and the weeds represent evil. Those who are not uh, doing the will of God, right? Who are not in accordance with, with God, who are against God. Um, through this parable, Jesus teaches us four basic truths about evil in the world. And I want to talk about them. The first truth is that we live in a world where evil does exist. This first truth isn't a difficult one to see. We see and hear and even experience the evils in the world all around us. Um, Look around, right? We, we know that the enemy is alive and well. We want to find a deep psychological reason why people have evil behavior. We want to know why, but oftentimes there is no reason why. A large part of what makes evil evil is that it serves no overarching purpose. On October 1st, 2017, A man stood at his window on the 32nd floor of his hotel and opened fire on concert goers who were attending the Route 91 Harvest Music Festival in Las Vegas. He killed 58 people and injured 851 others. To date, investigators have yet to determine any motive. This was a purely evil act. A school shooter in San Diego, when asked why she opened fire on on elementary school children, uh, killing two and injuring eight others, simply said, I don't like Mondays. I thought this would liven up the day. But sometimes evil occurs when we desire the wrong things and in the wrong ways. The witch and the Wizard of Oz desired the ruby slippers. She wanted them desperately. We never really find out what kind of power the ruby slippers held, but we do know that she was willing to kill for them. And power, as we know, is a great corrupter of people. Most of us are familiar with the quote, power tends to corrupt and absolute power corrupts absolutely, right? Herod, fearing that he might lose his power, had all of the boys two years and younger killed in Bethlehem. You want to make sure that no other king would rise up and take his power. That's not an isolated event, that happens in the world even today. We don't want to admit it, because if we do, that makes this world a scary place to live. But the truth is, there is evil in the world. Only the evil here doesn't have green skin, dress in black, and ride on a broomstick. For many people, this reality makes it very difficult For them to believe in a good and caring God. They ask the question like, why is there so many evils in the world? Where do these evils come from? And why, if there is a God and he is good, why does he tolerate the evil? We might say to ourselves, when we see evil in the world, I thought God was good. And that he made the world good. So why do all these terrible evil things happen? We're a lot lot like the master servants in verse 27, who say, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? We say, God, didn't you create this world good? You said in the beginning, after you created the world, it was good. Why then is there evil? We read in the creation story in Genesis 1.31, God saw all that he had made and said, it is very good. And we want to know what happened. Did God make a mistake or lots of mistakes along the way? Since he created everything, did he also create evil? Why do bad things happen to good people, and why do good things happen to bad people? This was the prophet Jeremiah's complaint as well. He said in Jeremiah 12.1, You are always righteous, O Lord, when I bring a case before you. Yet I would speak with you about your justice. I love that. But I want to talk to you about your justice. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why do all the faithless live at ease? You know, we feel like there seems to be an injustice in the world. We see that evil prevails and we don't understand. We think that it's unfair that good people have to suffer and bad people prosper. But we forget that we live in a fallen world, a world that has fallen away from God. And the human race as a whole has invited evil into the world through our collective sin. To suffer bad things is possible because we live in a world where evil is present, and it is real. The psalmist said in Psalm 103, verses 8 to 10, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sin deserves, amen, or repay us according to our iniquities. You know, we love it when it says the Lord is compassionate, he's gracious, he's slow to anger, he doesn't pay us back for the evil that we have done, he is abounding in love, and we say amen when it comes to us, but not so much when it comes to our enemies or those we deem evil. We become disheartened when God doesn't punish the wicked or destroy them. But the truth is God operates on the principle of mercy. He chooses to exercise his mercy in place of his judgment. That I can say amen to. The second truth found in this parable is that the evil in the world is the work of the evil one, not God. Verse 25 says, but while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed, seed, sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. Who is the enemy in this story? Satan, yes. <laughs> You, it's okay, see, yes, You good job, you got it right. <laughs> yes, theologians use a term called uh, theodicy, and theodicy is the explanation of why a perfectly good, almighty, all-knowing, loving God permits evil in the world. And the term literally means justifying God, like God needs to be justified, right? Thousands of pages have been written trying to explain the problem of evil in the world. But much of what has been written has ignored Jesus' simple statement found in this parable. An enemy has done this. An enemy. Who is the enemy? Well, the Bible explains in 1 Peter 5, 8, that our enemy is the devil who prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to love. No, No, looking for someone to what? Devour. Devour. Destroy. You may not believe that he exists, but he, uh, it's pretty clear that Jesus believed he exists, right? Jesus had no doubt. He believed and he taught that he exists. Our enemy is never presented as a mere symbol. It's not symbolic. He is always a reality. The devil isn't this medieval character in a red suit with a pointed tail and a pitchfork either. He is not a mythical dragon. Satan is much more sophisticated than that and far more dangerous. He knows how to make good appear to be evil and evil appear to be good. And that's what he did in this parable. The weed that the enemy planted in this parable is a plant that commonly grows in fields of grain. And although it looks similar to an edible grain... It isn't suitable for food. This is an image of wheat, and next to it is tares, which is the weed. In fact, many Bible scholars believe that the specific weed referred to in this parable is the weed darnel, and it is a poisonous weed that is very similar in appearance to wheat. In the New Testament times, it wasn't unusual for someone's enemy to come along and plant darnel in their field. It was a dirty trick. Because you couldn't tell the difference between Darnell and we until they had fully grown. And by that time, the roots were so intertwined that if you tried to pull them up, they would be pulled up together. Satan is the enemy who sows seeds of destruction in order to bring damage to God's people. This is not just a a prank. This is to destroy. This parable takes us all the way back to the Garden of Eden. God had planted this wonderful garden in this perfect paradise, and two people walked the earth in this idyllic setting. But an enemy appeared in the garden and began to sow seeds of doubt and suspicion against God. The couple began to question the goodness of God. And what started as an evil seed planted in the mind of Adam and Eve became this full-grown crop of disastrous weeds in the world that we live in today. Yes, there is evil in the world, but it's not because God placed it there. It's because the enemy has done this. The third truth in this parable is that there is a reason that God tolerates evil in the world today. When we see evil in the world, we think it just its not fair. Why doesn't God not do something? We wonder, why should the wheat suffer? Why should the good suffer? Because of the weeds. Because of the evil. Why should the good people suffer along with or because of the evil ones? It is injustice. Why doesn't God do something? Why doesn't he pull out the evil and eradicate it? The master in this parable had a very sensible reason. Look at it again in verses 28 and 29. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, the evil, you may uproot the good, the wheat, with them. Think about that. When the servants in this parable saw what had happened, they asked the master if they should go to the field and uproot the weeds. And the landowner knew what would happen. And he told them to let the weeds grow alongside the wheat. He knew that it was very difficult to tell the difference at that stage between Darnell and the wheat that was growing. And it's not until near the time of harvest when the wheat sprouts that you can truly tell which of the two plants is the real deal. He knew that if his servants pulled out the weeds, they would mistake some of the real wheat for weeds, and the wheat that they pulled would be damaged. The only thing to do was to wait for the day of harvesting. That's not easy to do. The only thing they could do was wait. In the same way, God tolerates the evil in the world because there will come a time of harvest. There will be a reckoning. In the world of fantasy, it might sound like a good idea to do away with evil and preserve the good, but the reality is that is simply not possible. As bad as the evil in the world is, it would cause more damage to try and eradicate it at this point. Some of the most dangerous people in the world are those who claim they know what is right and they know what is wrong. In every situation, they want to pull out the weeds before the harvest. Those people are scary. They're afraid of what the weeds will do, but they don't seem to think about what evil would be done by pulling the weeds. They don't realize that God tolerates the weeds because, in the end, some who appear to be evil will become good, and some who appear to be good will be revealed as evil. We can't always tell who's who. In the agriculture world, weeds never transform into wheat. It doesn't happen. That sort of magical metamorphosis is unheard of in horticulture. But in the spiritual world, it happens every day. I was a weed, I am now wheat. The Bible says that God doesn't want anyone to be destroyed, but for everyone to come to repentance. In other words, God longs for every weed to become wheat. The fourth truth found in this parable is that there will be a day of reckoning. There will be a harvest. The parable ends with the weeds being bundled and burned while the wheat is carried gleefully into the farmer's barn. So basically the evil is burned and what happens to the good? We get to go into the master's barn. We get to go to eternity with our master. A happy ending, right? Unless you're a we. That's not a happy ending for you. For those of you who struggle with reconciling a good God who allows evil to prevail in the world today, be patient. A day of reckoning is coming. God will deal with evil according to his own timetable. If I were God for a day, I'd want to do away with all the evildoers in the world in my first five seconds. But God has a much better plan than I do. His plan is to wait and to eliminate evil at his final harvest. And until then, we have to be patient. That doesn't mean that we just accept evil or ignore it. Until Jesus returns, he has called us to be the salt of the earth, a light in this dark world. We're to be agents to show the light of of the world in the midst of this moral darkness. But we shouldn't despair because God will eliminate all evil at his final harvest. God's judgment is slow, but it is never late. So be patient, the harvest is coming. Any wheat farmer can easily tell the difference between wheat and weeds. Wheat and Darnell, you want to know how? Jessica does, so I'm going to tell everybody. As the harvest time draws near, the top of the stalk begins to bow down. The head of the wheat grows so heavy with the grain that it begins to bow towards the ground. Meanwhile, the weed stands tall and straight. They never bow. The Bible promises that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. This morning, I want to invite you to examine your own heart and ask yourself, Am I a weed or am I wheat? Amen? Amen. Any comments, questions, or concerns? We're going to open it up to Facebook Live. um, And if you have a question, comment, or concern, you can type it in, and Jessica will let me know what that is. Is there anybody here who has a comment? Oh, you're welcome. Barbara says thank you, and I say you're welcome. (laughs) Yeah, that's fine. There's a little bit of a time delay, but we'll we'll leave it open for the next uh, couple of minutes here. One thing that strikes me is that um, people are always saying, "Why? Why? You know, what you, what you talk about? Yeah. Why is there evil in the world? Why does God allow that?" Yes. Well, there's the question of free will. That's one of the greatest gifts that He gave us, which means that we don't have to choose Him. if He wants us to choose Him, and unfortunately, not everyone does. And so, their choices bring about evil in the world. Yes. Um, and another scripture that I always like study revelations we always talk about this one in second peter chapter three verse nine it says the lord is not slow in keeping his promise because we're like when are you going to bring right right but uh peter says the lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness instead he is patient with you not wanting anyone to perish but everyone to come to that's right so he's allowing space and time for us to repent he's allowing time for the miracle to happen for that weed to turn into wheat. yes Yes, Barbara. I just want to say that I'm comparing this and thinking about all that's going on with us today. Yes. And all that's going around and why we are here the way we are today. Yep. And look at the things that we do find in the news that show how many people are doing the good stuff. That's right. God can take anything that the evil intent that the enemy intends for evil, which is everything, everything he does is intended for evil, and turn it for good. And we've already seen that, right? We've seen the outpouring of people um, you know, coming together, even in our own church and our community, offering help and assistance to those who are shut in. And, um, you know, I I say we don't let the the enemy have any victory, right? The battle's already won. The battle is already won. And so we just claim that victory and we continue to see the goodness of God in every situation. All right. Any other comments from online? If not, we're going to close up here. Okay. All right. Well, may the peace of the Lord be with you. Thank you. Love one another. Be good. And love your kids and socially distance yourself. <laughs> Stay home if you can.